Transformation happens one small step at a time. It's not a silver bullet. It's not like tomorrow, everything's perfect. You know, practice and rhythm takes time. And the, the beauty of rhythm is it, it's every single day. Well, happy Halloween and welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am Alan. And I'm David. And I'm really excited for this conversation. But before we move past Halloween, I just want to remind you, get your bucket of candy and get outside. Your neighbors actually want to talk to you. If it's a little chilly in the air where you're at, have a fire pit in your driveway, just something to be able to spend time with your neighbors. America is so private and so skeptical in our neighborhoods. And yet there's this magical night once a year where people want to stuff their kids full of candy and walk around. This is a great opportunity to be able to connect with your neighbors. David and I have done some of this in the past, and we just want to encourage you get out there and repurpose and kind of shift what Halloween can look like. You still have time. Go ahead and plan on that this evening. Today, we're going to talk about rhythms. And it's interesting because to me, the rhythm of the year in Colorado changes every Halloween. It's kind of the last time I see neighbors for a while. We've already had snow here and I can feel things shifting. We're kind of heading toward the end of fall and there are just rhythms that are intact within the world. We're going to talk about rest and rhythms and anxiety and stress and burnout with today's guest, Rebecca Lyons. So I'm really excited to let you guys into this conversation. But David, I know rhythms have been a big part of your life. So tell me why they've been so fruitful and so meaningful for you. Yeah, they've just been helpful language to name kind of what's happening all around us all the time. There are cultural rhythms. There are personal rhythms. We're a rhythmic type of people. We're a rhythmic type of culture, and that's just how God's wired us. So instead of necessarily talking about balance, which is a popular concept and topic, I like to talk about rhythms because you have rhythms and routines and patterns in your life no matter what. You might be unaware of them. They might be autopilot. They might be second nature, but those rhythms are cultivating things in your life. They're cultivating relationships, your spirit, um, rhythms of rest, rhythms of play, rhythms of work, rhythms of community. All of those are playing a part in um, how you're being shaped. Um, and I think rhythms are, are a powerful tool in our spiritual lives. And if we're not intentional with them, generally our anxiety or our busyness or our fear or um, you know negative uh, rhythms of unrest are going to be shaping our spirit if we let them. And so for me, it's been how do we intentionally uh, shape our lives and our rhythms um, to, to produce the fruit that we want to see in our lives? And we see it in scripture. Some people call them spiritual disciplines, patterns, habits, but it's this rhythmic life that has been so fruitful for me. And that's what we talk about in coaching as well. And so, yeah, really important to me, both individually and then um, corporately as I pastor, we talk in terms of rhythms. Yeah, balance is a unicorn. I mean, we talk about balance, but the seasons aren't balanced, right? And there's hot and cold, there's day and night. The world runs on rhythms. I mean, think about it, tides, seasons, waves, days, planets, all those run on rhythms. And I had this sneaky suspicion that part of the reason that people love going to the ocean so much is the rhythm. That's this one place where you can truly feel, hear, touch, taste the rhythms of waves that just continue to come in. 
And it's magical to us because so many things in life come and go and we sprint and push so hard. And Rebecca talks about that today in this episode of the podcast. I read this book and thought she's so close to the heart of who we are and what we do at State Fourth that we got to have her on the podcast. And so I am really excited to kind of crack open this conversation. My book is underlined. Probably half of it is underlined. She's just some great thoughts and quotes. Uh, and it is one of the most gritty, honest, very intentional and practical books that I've read in a long time. So I absolutely love this conversation with Rebecca Lyons. And she talks about how do we take this idea of stress and anxiety and actually shift it into purpose for our lives, peace for our lives. So that's an interesting conundrum and paradigm we find ourselves in, maybe on the edge of an anxiety movement underneath the surface of our culture today. It's very concerning to us at Stay Forth. We see a lot of leaders with overwhelm and heading toward burnout, a lot of stress. Anxiety has become normal. And we want to remind you, you don't have to live crazy and stressed and overwhelmed and out of control if you want to continue to lead. We actually are crazy enough to believe that you can indeed lead for the long haul and keep your soul intact in the meantime. So enjoy my interview with Rebecca Lyons. Well, guys, we've got a good one for you today. Uh, I read Rebecca Lyons' new book, Rhythms of Renewal, Trading Stress and Anxiety for a Life of Peace and Purpose, and thought, wow, this is so close to our heart at Stay Forth Designs. This is exactly what we love talking about. So, Rebecca, thank you for your book, and thanks for coming on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. I'm grateful to be here. I, um, I told you this before we came on air, but... I just feel like it is so practical and applicable and it's gritty even. You share really hard stories. And so I just want to thank you for that gift. I know how hard that can be writing vulnerably um, in the in the book space. And that's probably a fearful time as well. Uh, how will people perceive this and all that? So I just want to say thank you for your vulnerability. I know this book is already helping a lot of people. Uh, can you just give us a brief intro to your life? You do a lot of things. What are all those things? <laughs> well, goodness, my role as a wife is my I, my co-founded Q, which is a nonprofit with my husband Gabe, about goodness, almost seventeen years ago, and it's. We, we, Q stands for questions, and we talk about the cultural tensions of our time and what does faithfulness look like when culture feels lost. And so we, we, you know, think TED Talks with faith, and it's all about arts, media, government, policy, education, and then we talk, we tackle topics like objectification of women, Israel-Palestinian conflict, legalization of marijuana, gender, sexuality. Um, you name it, and um, <laughs> leadership in the church, and I think it's just um, we've just always felt called to those to be salt and light, and which is what moved us to New York nine years ago. And with that, we also have four children. We've got um, Cade, who's eighteen, and then Pierce, sixteen; Kennedy, fourteen, and then now we just brought home Joy, who we adopted from China nine months ago. And so, Cade and Joy. Uh, our, our Down syndrome bookends. They, um, you know, change the trajectory of our lives um, a couple times. You know, Cade was born when I was 26, and then we just brought Joy home recently. And then we moved to New York in the middle of that. So I feel like every decade, God's kind of inviting us into this surrendered adventure again. And we're kind of like, no, wait a minute, this isn't what I imagined. And yet every time on the other side of yes, 
um, God has more. He has more that he invites us into. And so that's, we're now in Nashville. We've been here five years. I started writing out of my panic disorder season in New York um, from 2010 and 11. And really this is the third book of that anxiety trilogy. And we're trusting it that it's the last one (laughs) because um, for so many people, they're just looking for practical tools and resources and science and faith. And God made our bodies. He knows what we need and he uses all means necessary to heal us. And I was hoping to give a framework for that, that God has actually established for us in rhythm a created order and rhythm that when we stay within the boundary and we submit to the framework of what God's established, then we flourish. But when we get outside of that, chaos en- ensues, and that's when we start to spin out. Well, you did a really good job fleshing that out, Rebecca. And on this podcast, we talk about ridiculously practical ways. And um, yeah, be encouraged. Your book is ridiculously practical. So good. thanks for that. <laughs> um, and you share real stories. I mean, very vulnerable um, you share about your battle with anxiety and you're wrestling through that, not, hey, I've arrived, but here we are kind of day to day, which is, I think, where we're all kind of living in this battle of stress and anxiety that's overtaking our culture in, in so many ways. So thanks for your vulnerability. And within that, um, how has your wrestling with anxiety changed your life for good, for bad, in between? How has this changed you? Well, like anything that is hard, you either buckle under it or it makes you stronger. And so I do think a life of perseverance usually is strengthened by adversity, unfortunately. Like we don't want the hard, but when we see that the hard doesn't take us out, that it actually builds maturity, it builds perseverance, it builds tenacity. We're like, okay, I guess I'm grateful for it on some level. So some people are like, why are you grateful for anxiety? I'm like, well, It actually showed me my frailty. Um, It keeps me humble. It keeps me dependent on God, who is my source of peace. And anxiety became my fancy word for fear. So if Jesus says, the peace I give, the world cannot give, so don't be troubled or afraid, I can submit to that and come under that covering of peace. And it doesn't mean that I'm always confident. Bravery is moving scared. But it does mean that you are taking steps in the direction towards the things that you know that this is not the end of your story. That, that you're not alone in this, that actually there's a maturing and a perseverance that's building out of results of the things that are coming against you. They don't define you. They're just coming against you. And so what do you need to put in your, in your lane? What, are, what is the playbook or the field guide for fear, I like to call it, so that when these things come, come knocking, that you have this way of escape. You have this, this, these rhythms that are on constant repeat in your life. That, that, that you don't arrive, you, you are doing these in such a way that they are keeping you within these guardrails of some, a sustained life of emotional, spiritual, and relational health. Love it. We talk about balance as a unicorn at Stay Forth, and yet there's rhythms that our world is built for them. Our world, you literally, if you go outside of these rhythms, there are consequences. So uh, take me back to the moment you knew you needed to write this book. What were you thinking? What were you feeling? And ultimately, what was your big why behind, I have to get this book out to other eyeballs and ears and hearts? Oh, goodness. Um, It's because the conversation was not going away. See, I felt like I was early in experiencing panic disorder nine years ago. It wasn't something that the church was talking about. I didn't even hear it a lot in culture, actually. 
And I, you know, we were thrust to this new move in New York City. And within four months, I had my first panic attack. I did not even have language for it. I didn't know what was happening, but I knew that I had never been more terrified in my life. And it rooted out of claustrophobia, which was then would always trigger in planes, trains, elevators, subways, and crowds. Well, we had just moved to New York. There was an impossible, it was impossible to avoid those things. And so I lived, I will never forget those two years. I mean, it was as if my body was responding as if being held at gunpoint, like that kind of terror so that I would just avoid things. I would avoid the elevator. I would hop back off and walk seven flights of stairs. I'd, I'd hop off the subway if the doors hadn't shut yet. And then I'd walk the extra mile or I would try to claw the doors open and they wouldn't open. And I would just frantically just like literally pray under my breath to just get, just praying the doors would open. And what I've learned about claustrophobia in general is that it's this metaphor for feeling trapped or powerless, whether it's in a relationship or a circumstance or a season of your life to where, and I really did feel that way in that, in that season. And I also remembered, you know, even the birth of my firstborn a decade prior feeling powerless, you know, fighting for his life, fighting for his growth, fighting for his development. Um, it was just a very traumatic entry for him and for me. In, into motherhood. And so I think there was some healing there that needed to happen. There was some PTSD from that. And then New York was this pressure cooker that put that to the surface. But truthfully, what I see now, um, the triggers for this chronic fear, anxiety became my fancy word for fear, but the stress, 77% of us today are facing physical symptoms of stress. So that's almost four out of five of us. Whereas when I was dealing with it, I think there was one in four of us um, in 2012 that were feeling a need for medication, whether it was anxiety or depression. So now we've escalated this thing to almost four out of five of us are feeling physical symptoms, which could be just a racing mind or sleepless nights or shallow breathing. But we just constantly feel this feeling of overwhelm. And so I have, I have theories as to why this is the case as a society and then I also obviously have reasons as to why this affects each of us personally. And part of that is informed by our stories and our journeys. But societally, it, it, there is a meta-narrative that is happening. And I, you know, if you want, I'd love to talk about that for a moment. I want. Come on. Let's okay. do it. Why? You say it this way in the book, as a society, we're in the throes of a collective panic attack. I would love to hear your take on why. Right. I don't even unpack it in the book because it's ever unfolding. I wrote this book for 15 months and even more so now that it's actually coming out. You know, you write a book and then you wait a year. <laughs> but now as it's coming out, it's all the more escalated in 2019. And here's what I know. God created order in rhythm and he created circadian rhythm. And he said, basically, before the, the industrial revolution and before the digital revolution, we actually functioned as humans in rhythm. We had to wake up when the sun rose because there's a blue light that emits from a sunrise that tells your body to wake up. And we went to sleep when the sun set because in a sunset, there's natural red light, which is melatonin for your body. So God says, I made your bodies. I know what you need. I've actually created order and rhythm boundaries for you to stay within. And this is for your flourishing. This is for your health. This is for hu your humanity and your dignity and your vibrancy. All these things are for your good. 
I've given you food from the ground for your flourishing. But now we've got food that's not from a plant. It's made in a plant. Now we've got devices that tell us never to turn ourselves off. We've got machines, even in the industrial revolution, that were never turned off because it actually... Um, killed the efficiency. So they always were kept on. The problem is our bodies are not machines. We are not AI. We are actually humans who have to stop. We can't be always on in the workplace. And so because we are carrying these things and we're looking at these devices and we're told by society that our worth is only as good as our latest accomplishment, and we now have this public popularity contest for all the work of our hands to be on display in social media so that we can compete and compare, we never feel adequate. We always feel like we're missing out. And so we work double down, our work doubles down to try to get us there. And here's what, here's what happens. Our body keeps the score and it just says, no, I'm done. I cannot sustain whatever emotional trauma you're trying to withheld. Mm. Like I'm done, I'm out. And that's why what's happening is like, as we spin out and spiral out, our minds can't be the boss of our bodies any longer. Our mind gets the reserves of whatever little sleep we got last night, you know, four hours, three hours, six hours. But eventually our bodies just burn out. And with that burnout, if our identity is rooted in our work, then there's depression that ensues because we can no longer muscle and stomach the pace we were doing before. So then this leads to a lot of question, this existential crisis that's coming in midlife from a lot of men and women. Does my life have meaning anymore? Does it have significance? Is life worth living? Like we entertain suicide. We entertain loneliness and isolation, even though we're so connected on a phone, we're actually more disconnected. We're talking to, we're talking to everyone, but connecting with no one, which 46% of us believe that we have high feelings of loneliness and 20, I think it's 27% say we have not one real friend. So we are, we have lost what it means to be human in every way. And this is a, in my mind, this book is a reminder to getting back to that. What what does it mean to be human? What do we need as humans? What did God establish for humanity? And how do we take advantage of that? How do we reorder our life? Like kill the life that's currently spinning out of control and rebuild a life with intention. And we're literally living out of dysfunction. We violated the function, the, the rhythm, uh, the pace even that God has designed and what we say is you're going to stop. The question is whether you do so intentionally or unintentionally. You're right. Sometimes your body just shuts down. Thanks for that. I really appreciate you chasing that rabbit. It's kind of a bonus to the book, kind of a PS attached there. So thank you for that. Well, if you've been tracking along with us at Stay Forth, you know that we are passionate about experiences. I love experiences because they don't just transfer information. They actually lead us to the space of transformation. And of course, they are fun. We do ridiculous experiences. And part of that is our director of experiences, Michael Larson, is incredibly passionate about curating these experiences. And not only did we do the Phoenix fill-up, not only did we have a ladies gathering called the Rocky Mountain Renewal, we are planning for some more this next year. So I wanted you to hear it straight from the horse's mouth. Michael, thanks for coming on to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, Alan. So you are not only passionate about, but amazing at experiences, if I can brag on you for a minute. How did you get 
to be so passionate about creating amazing experiences? What is it behind that that drives you? Well, I think for me, uh, looking back over the last probably 10 years or so, I really noticed that the transformation in my own life and in the relationships that I've had with other people, the way that I've gotten closer, just really the, the, the monumental changes that I've seen in my life have happened so often through experiences. So several years ago, I started getting together with a few guys for uh, just a, a long weekend, and uh, and it really was a foundation for our relationships, for having conversations that you just don't really get around to having in kind of the the hustle and bustle of everyday life. And and part of the reason that those things, those events were so important and effective and transformational for really for all of us was that it it was separate from normal life. And so we created this environment that people could have an absolute blast and eat amazing food. But really, my my whole intention was that we were creating an atmosphere, whether it was around a table or a bonfire, where people really felt comfortable uh, to open up. And I, we have just seen so many kind of lives really changed, uh, just a, an attitude of being refreshed from those weekends. And it has solidified over the years. I've seen it time and again that, that in these times and these spaces set aside specifically for you know, a new and fresh experience, people just love them, look back at them fondly, and they've just become so important to me. Yeah, it happens. I mean, the magic happens at those in those spaces that you mentioned. And we work really well together because I love curating the conversation and making sure that we're discussing the things that we need to and we're having fun and laughs. And meanwhile, you may sneak up with us on some food or some drink or something else that just makes the experience. Um, leave us with this, Michael. If somebody comes on a stay forth, go forth experience of any kind, what are a couple of the things they should expect in these ridiculously refreshing experiences? Yeah. I mean, I think more than anything, I hope that they are surprised both at the the level of comfort. I mean, we will, we will have never met a lot of the people that we do experiences for, but I think the way that you and I work together and the intentionality that we use to, to create that environment, people just end up feeling comfortable. And so really just kind of being surprised at that. But then something that I wouldn't have actually expected, but in in some of the feedback that we've gotten through previous experiences that we've done, I expect people to feel spoiled. I expect them to feel like they have been the recipient of something and and, and the recipient um, of just an experience that they have never been through before. They've been given something, a gift, I hope, that they've really never received before, just in the way that they can sit back and enjoy all the aspects of a weekend, of a retreat, of an experience uh, without worry, uh, but just be able to kind of be on the receiving end of that. I think those are the those are the two big things that we've heard, and those are the two things that I love uh, to to kind of set up and organize, and I, I love seeing people experience those things. We do a great job at it. And Michael and I want to invite you as a leader who give, give, give to come and receive, 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 maybe even be spoiled at some of these lavish, fun, refreshing experiences in the meantime. Michael, thanks for what you do. And if you're listening, we hope to see you on a future experience. You say with a little intention and a lot of perseverance, Stress and anxiety can be transformed into peace and purpose. That's really good news. 
How do we flip the script on that? I mean, those things seem so opposed. When I pick up the book, of course, we want to trade stress and anxiety into peace and purpose. How do we flip that script? Well, transformation happens one small step at a time. It's not a silver bullet. It's not like tomorrow, everything's perfect. You know, practice and rhythm takes time. And the, the beauty of rhythm is it it's every single day. It's for the rest of your life. It's, it's a new way of living. It's reordering and getting back to the basics. So the four rhythms are rest, restore, connect, and create. I start with rest because it's the, one, it's the weakest rhythm for everybody. Um, everyone's killing it and create, but they're also really tired and burned out and, and their family lives aren't strong. <laughs> so I think part of it is getting back to um, taking inventory of our life. I start the book with just pause, get quiet, be still and listen, examine the heart. Am I okay? Why do I feel this chronic need to keep running? What am I running from? What am I running toward? <laughs> are, are God and I okay? You know, like we have to examine the heart. And that can't happen until we stop. And so intake inventory, it's all about, you know, what you answer for question, what's right, what's wrong, what's confused, what's missing. And when you start to expose those things with brutal honesty, not like editing yourself, but you start to get real honest before God, before yourself, maybe with your spouse or your loved one, um, then you can honestly now take a clearer picture of like, oh, I'm actually overproducing or, or overworking because I feel a lack of worth fundamentally deep in my bones because somewhere along the lines, I bought the lie that I'm not worthy of love unless I earn it. It's like, let's get to the baseline of why we're acting out in these ways and let's invite God into those places because you can't heal what is hidden. So you got to expose these things with sincerity and say, let's start this again. And so with rest, I do practical things like routines for deep sleep or a morning routine or Sabbath or, um, you know, stillness, quiet, you know, things like that, that um, tech detox, of course, if you just stop, you know, looking at your phone for, I did it for three months. I got off social, all social media last summer. I was like, wow, I started sleeping again, dreaming again, and learning again. I had original wow. ideas and thoughts. It was not like I looked at somebody do something and I was writing my book during this time. And I'm so thankful. I was voraciously learning and researching and reading, but I was not online. Um, I like books by dead people. I mean, I'm all about stuff that was like a century ago because I think sometimes they cut through the noise of today. And I was studying the lives of people that lived centuries behind us, before us, and how productive they were and how much they took naps. <laughs> it's like, this is yep. so fascinating to me that Hemingway did volumes of work and took a nap every day, or that pr- past presidents, you know, just had like incredible legacies left behind them and they did naps. They took walks and then their afternoon was reserved for quote unquote correspondence, which I guess we would call email. But the beginning of the day, their first hours of the day was always about creativity, innovation, ingenuity. And I thought, oh, it's not about maintaining. It's about like unique ideas. Those are the people who lead. If we want to be people who lead, we certainly can't be staring at what everyone else is doing. We actually have to ask God to give us some creative um imagination, like a holy imagination for what he might want to do right now in our, in our day and in our moment. So rest is big. Obviously it's for spiritual health. Restore is physical health. That's the next rhythm. 
both of these first two, rest and restore, are input rhythms. So physical health is like, okay, so my heart's good. My inner life is better. I've been working on this daily. But now how's my body? Do I have energy? Am I like, you know, fueled by caffeine and sugar and then I crash at night with a glass of wine? You know, am I actually you know, taking sleeping pills? Am I always needing something to help me stay, stay up and then get back down? And I realized that for me, diet was imperative because of my work as a teacher, as a writer, as someone who has to get on a plane once a week to travel, to usually speak somewhere. I was coming home and my adrenals were crashing and I had nothing to offer my family. And I was like, well, that's not going to work. God doesn't call us to something that asks us to abandon family. And so my kids would come home at three and I was ready to crawl back into bed for a nap every day. And I had to get radical with my diet and change that. And then also with my um, physical activity, just to realize that if I'm having creator's block, like take a walk. If I'm having depression uh, or like thoughts of just like the blues, right? You know, like just sadness, blues, like then I need to walk. I need to actually get active through that because those SSRIs that people take obviously is medication. The serotonin is the happy hormone that increases just in 15 minutes of physical exertion every day. So if we just make that a part of our normal thing, a brisk walk, you know, a quick run, you know, jumpy jacks, I don't care, whatever it is, like that actually increases serotonin. You have to have that daily. So, so physical strength, um, getting back to play, discovery, letting go of control, all these are part of restore for physical health. So those two are the input rhythms that I think we're neglecting. And when we get back to those things, we have something then to offer the world when we go out with the last two output rhythms, which are connect and create. I loved your chapter on rest, and um, I love the book Rest by Alex Pang. Uh, just that irony. Yes, I read that too. Oh, so yes, good. I love it. Why you get more done when you work less. And um, this is not new stuff. I mean, this stuff's been around a while. No. We've just ignored it, and we've chosen to ignore it, even though it's right in front of our faces, and, and we know that we need sleep. Why, why aren't we doing it? I absolutely love that. Research backs all of this up. I mean, Cal Newport stuff around deep work. And so I'm so excited that this conversation is entering the Christian space. We need to be having these conversations in our churches. And of course, what you're doing with Q is is incredible. Um, I know that writing was helpful for you. You share that in the book. The process processing we do as writers is so helpful. So how did writing this one feel different from your other two? I just wanted to give actionable hope. I just, I feel like, yes, God is our peace and we we do come under that covering of peace and we start every day just being filled by him but with with him being the one who created order in rhythm um, and our bodies in rhythm then he also knows like these are fundamental things you can't live without like he's a communal god that made us for as a communal people like we have to have relational health if we're withholding forgiveness from someone if we're hiding our secrets from people or from God, you know, things like that are toxic to our bodies and it grows. Um, if we're not leading with vulnerability or we're not inviting um, a friend into our home and, and exhibiting hospitality, you know, if we're not confessing things that we've done or asking for forgiveness first, you know, time is short. We don't have, <laughs> we, we need each other. 
And if Jesus' final prayer is for us to be one so the world would look in from the outside and go, hey, I want to be a part of that, then we got to be healthy <laughs> relationally. And that's why connect, I think, is even so important because in the church, we can be more polarized and divided online. And the, the world can look at that and go, no, thanks. You know, I'm very convicted about that. I'm just I'm kind of about like, let's take our conflicts um, to each other's faces and get them offline. And let's ask for forgiveness and and and, and seek to understand. Uh, because if the house is not in order and if the family's not in order and not healthy, we certainly don't have something different to offer the world. Hmm. That's right. Yeah. People are like, I'm out. If, if that's the deal, I'm out, right? You guys are more dysfunctional than, than the rest of us. So you've basically opened up your heart and your life, your family, your struggles to us in this book, which, which I deeply appreciate. Normally we ask our guests as a last question, how do you stay healthy? But want to flip the question. If people could make one change, paradigm shift, mindset change, one rhythm that they would really focus on now, um, right after reading this book, right after listening to this podcast episode, what should an anxious listener do that could bring the greatest renewal or return to their life today? Well, that's great. Well, um, the first step, it's it's free. I have, it's rebeccalliance.com slash quiz. And it's where you discover your healthiest rhythm. I ask you, the reader, what's your healthiest rhythm? Because you don't even know where to begin if you don't know the ones that need strengthened. So it's 40 questions, five minutes real fast. And what'll happen is once you take that, you'll get another, like this, like say your healthiest rhythm is create. That's great. Um, Here are like three tips to strengthen the other three. And for a lot of us, what I've learned in the thousands that have taken this quiz, that rest is the, the least healthy for everyone, which is why we are stressed out. And why we're tired. <laughs> and so I would say if you were to start with um, take inventory, that is the best guide. And there's a free like download of it, take inventory of your life guide. And it, you answer four questions. What's right? What's wrong? What's confused? And what's missing? And like I talked about that earlier, I think that helps you have some insight for what to change. And then practically, as you're answering those questions, like t- today, when you get home from work, go outside and take a walk. I don't care if it's five minutes or 15 or 50, you know, if it's a nice day, get outside, walk, talk to God while you walk or talk, take a friend with you or whatever. Just go walk fast enough to raise your heart rate a little, but just like ask God to show you how to process healing. I walk every day now. It's like, I don't, I don't miss it. Um, and then make sure, um, another rhythm, I would say I'm giving you more than one, but I think walking is imperative. And I would say, um, secondly, make sure you encourage someone today, like reach out, text, call, um, whatever it requires, but give something from you to someone else. Just recognize something beautiful in them and call it out. When you start to do that, um, those two things, take a walk every day and look at someone else and encourage and strengthen them. You're going to have so much joy in that. It's just like the byproduct of taking care of yourself and then doing something for someone else. And that's this input output cadence that I'm going to invite you in through this book, through lots of really practical free examples. Um, But just know, and then finally, okay, last thing, put your phone out of your room within about an hour 
to 90 minutes before you're going to actually fall asleep. Like just get it out of your room. Get, if you can, like an old school alarm clock, put it in the kitchen, charge it in your bathroom. I don't care. Get it out of your room so that you can go to bed tonight. Like there's a chapter on routines for deep sleep. And you can't really have a good day tomorrow if it doesn't begin tonight because rest is imperative for your day to begin well tomorrow. So for tonight, I would just say um, start hushing the room, quieting your heart, maybe read a book. Don't do something that's too taxing mentally. Um, and just prepare yourself for a night of rest. And and I would just with that release and prayer, just saying, God, show me. I want to enter. I want to come under your covering of peace. And I want to start a new season and help me have the strength um, to slow down and do that. Awesome. Well, Rebecca, thanks for spending time with us today. Thanks so much. Your book is a gift, I'm sure, to many, changing many lives. Rhythms of Renewal, Trading Stress and Anxiety for a life of peace and purpose. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Have a great day. This is such a crucial conversation today that we need to be having. Uh, I love the message of this book. Go pick up a copy of this book. I think it's practical. I think it's incredibly timely today. And I love how she has kind of this quadrant, these four different rhythms rest and restore that she calls input rhythms and connect and create that are these output rhythms. And I love what she talked about in terms of creating. And that's absolutely what we believe and we teach through our coaching and through our consulting is that when we get healthy, when we water the roots, then some of these beautiful things come out. And maybe for you, it's watercolor or photos or writing or just relationship. Maybe you're kind of a visionary in relationship and are able to bring people together and connect and curate. To me, I heard so much freedom for how those come out in what she talks about and writes about, but really in the fact that if we are healthy and have tended to those other things, we're going to see that creative output. David, why do you think we've gotten away from rhythms today in our culture? Yeah, I think it's reflective in our culture and our economy and our access to things. Back, you know, back in the day when we were a more agricultural society, we understood rhythms, that there were rhythms of preparation, there were rhythms of harvest, and then there were rhythms where you would uh, rest the ground and you're not going to harvest in winter. There's nothing you can really do about it when the ground is frozen and it's okay. Um, You've prepared for this season and you're going to rest. Now we live in in an age where there's no seasonal vegetables. You can get them at any time because they're imported from all over the world and you can keep your lights on. You don't have to turn them off so you don't have to go to sleep when the sun goes down. Um, Really, we're a production-based culture and so we're constantly on output mode because we have the ability to do that. And what that's doing is that's burning us out and actually there's some freedom when you recognize there are seasons in our life where we just need to rest, where we just need to cultivate, where we just need to prepare. And then there are seasons where we're going to have a harvest and we can celebrate that because who doesn't want to harvest? But when we realize that not every season is created the same and that we get to um, really rest in the fact that uh, there's different seasons for different things, I think it gives us a whole new level of freedom and a whole new level of health uh, when we find that rhythmic life. Uh, for ourselves. And so, yeah, I think the culture kind of just instills it within us because of the industrial revolution. We don't have to, you know, kind of 
fall in line with the seasonal rhythms that our forefathers used to, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, the, the basic things that we need today, even in a consuming type culture, think about Netflix, it just can play continuously. As a kid, I would like get up during commercials and I would know if I don't catch this show, then it's gone. Even the consuming rhythms for us have become nonstop. Um, We can get it all. We can get it fast. We can get it delivered instantly or next day on Amazon. And uh, I think these things continually for us are pushing us toward you can do it all. And in the best, most encouraging way possible, David and I want to remind you, you can't do it all, or you can't do it all well, or you can't do it all for long. And after listening to this podcast, you've got to decide, is there a next step for you? So just very, very simply, what is your next right step in resting, restoring, connecting, or creating? Which one of those is missing in your life? Rest, restoration, connection, or creation. We are built for these natural rhythms. God has put those things in us. And if you are a leader that is listening to this, do not continue to output without putting in the things that God has designed you for, without putting in the rest, without putting in the relationship, without putting in the actual presence of God each day, knowing that he doesn't need us, but he chooses to use us for some crazy reason. So it's always our joy to, to do this podcast. Maybe the most important question of this podcast, David, are you dressing up tonight? Um, No. I'm not. You caught me off guard. But no, I'm an adult with no children. So that just is not a good look, especially in a new place where I'm trying to get to know my neighbors. You know, I don't I don't know, man. Don't use the neighbor excuse on that. I feel like just a straight up mountain man. You should just dress as yourself, maybe grow the beard another inch today as you listen to this. And you're already a mountain man. I don't think you're going to scare your neighbors. I don't think children will run screaming through the streets. But whatever you do, David, get out there, get to know your neighbors. Guys, as always, thanks again for listening to another podcast. And we just want to encourage you, follow us on Instagram at stayforthdesigns. We are going to be announcing some things very soon. We made a big announcement this last week. Make sure to go over to Instagram and you'll see it. IGTV will be sharing some new things here in the next week or so. We are really excited about what's coming up and you'll hear about it soon on this podcast. As always, my friends, continue to lead healthy and make sure that you're not sacrificing your soul in the constant churn and burn of leadership. Keep leading healthy, guys. Shine, 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 shine. We ain't